You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. My name is Reese, and I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, just so you know, uh, we're going to ask all of our uh, teachers to introduce themselves, because we have people that don't know who we are. So uh, I know that most of you know who I am, uh, but just wanted to let you know, in case you're new with us, that's my name, and uh, that's uh, who I am. So uh, got that out of the way. Check that off this morning. We get up here, we have a list of things we have to do. And uh, so that was one of my first things to do this morning. Um, yeah, and I did it. So success, uh, check, check one off. We are, we are in week four of, of Advent, and um, we have been exploring uh, Matthew's edition of the, uh, the, the, the Nativity story, and it has a very Joseph focus, whereas Luke's account is uh, very much focused on, on Mary. And so we're talking about this whole idea of finding family and we're looking at all the dynamics and all the ways that the God and his love and his goodness and just all the blessings of his kingdom, how he formed uh, this uh, original family, Jesus' uh, original family, and then how he continues to expand uh, Jesus' family even today and, and the dynamics that go in with that. Uh, many years ago, there was a popular credit card that had a marketing campaign that says, membership has its privileges. And uh, certainly, uh, if you had that card, you got to experience those privileges and pay for them, by the way. Um, but those privileges don't compare at all to the privilege of being part of the family of God, the, the privileges, the provision, the protections that come. Uh, and today, uh, Hilda, reading that second chapter of Matthew, the, the part of uh, the continued adventures of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph show uh, the protection of God. And, and all throughout Matthew's account of Jesus's life, not only his birth, but even his entire life, we see him going over and over, pointing to how Jesus is the fulfillment of, of what the Old Testament prophets kept pointing to time and time again about a Messiah that would come and bring freedom and eternal life and the kingdom of God in its fullness. And, and once again, uh, Matthew is doing that in this passage, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's promised to Israel, uh, and he is a Messiah not just for Israel, but for the whole world, even though he's coming through the nation of Israel. Uh, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he makes his initial entry into our world in a very ho uh, humble and, and lowly way. And as we see in this passage that Hilda read, his coming is also filled with a lot of danger. It's filled with danger. In fact, uh, this is where we begin to see the shadow of the cross uh, thrust upon Jesus' life. And, and really, this is where all of the warm fuzzies of the precious moments, uh, nativity scene, where it sort of dissolves. And we realize Jesus' birth is all about spiritual warfare. I mean, it really is. Uh, that's, that's what it's about. The kingdom of God has come, 
and it is a declaration of war against the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom uh, of Satan. You have to remember that as we read uh, and see how Matthew is giving us the account of uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus going into Egypt and all the activities that, that basically uh, this, this kid's born, he's a refugee and he has a price on his head, a bounty on his head for all practical purposes. And, and we need to understand that this is the same Jesus that we will read uh, in the Gospel of John saying, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and that is something that we need to, to realize as we read this passage and reflect on, on this very initial uh, early part of Jesus' story and, and know that, that God protected him and his family with his protecting love. And I am so glad to be able to stand here today and tell you as my church family and friends that this is the same God who offers and continues to offer his protecting love to all of us. He is Emmanuel. He is with us and he is with our families, no matter what we're encountering in the world. And so we can be just like Mary and Joseph and we can hear the voice of God telling us, fear not, I'm with you. God is with us, with his protecting love. And this morning, here's the, the big theme I want us to, to look at as we look at this passage a little more closely. In Jesus, we get to experience God's love, saving us, protecting us, and guiding us, guiding all of us on this journey of life. And that is really, really good news for all of us. No matter where you are, no matter where your family is, what you're going through, this is good news for all of us. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. So would you pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you are God with us. We welcome your manifest presence to come and fill our minds and our bodies, our hearts, our spirits. Uh, we thank you for your protecting love. And we welcome you to come and just to, to lead us and to guide us in your good and loving ways. Lord, we, uh, we thank you for your good purposes for every one of us, every family here, every individual, for this church, for this community. And our prayer continues to be, as you taught us to pray, Jesus, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in us, with us, and through us. And we pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So once again, God is speaking to Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, and he's doing so in a dream. Uh, he's doing this in a dream. And, and these dreams are really surprising inbreakings of God's kingdom uh, to Joseph, just like the birth of Jesus was for our whole world. Even though the prophets in the Old Testament had, had, for, had foretold of this Messiah that would come over and over again. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, back in chapter one of Matthew, you remember uh, the first recorded dream that we see um, Joseph having from God. It was when God sent an angel to Joseph, who was engaged to, to be married to Mary, to tell him, hey, your fiance is pregnant. Uh, and Joseph, knowing that they had never been together, obviously he was concerned, but the, the angel went on to tell him that what is, what is inside of her uh, has been conceived through the Holy Spirit. So do not fear, marry her, take her to be your wife because, and give him the name Joseph. Because even though Joseph was not uh, his natural father, he was here on earth, his legal father, and he functioned in that role of father. And so uh, we have in chapter two, 
another dream, uh, another dream, because God loves to speak to us. He is not aloof. God is not distant, and God is not silent. He, he is not silent. He is with us. He is love, and he is our protector. And one of the things that we see in Joseph is that heeding God's good and loving guidance, uh, guidance protects us, and it also keeps us safe uh, in, in God's care. Not just us, but those that are entrusted to us, those we are responsible for. Uh, King David, we, we, we heard about King David and the lineage, in Jesus' lineage, at the very beginning of Matthew 1. And, and this is a psalm uh, of King David who knew a lot about God's protection. Uh, King David experienced a lot of trouble, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of turmoil, a lot of sheer violence. And he wrote and he sang Psalm 18 in a worship response Uh, to God after the Lord delivered him from an attack of Saul and and many of his other enemies. He said this and wrote this in Psalm 18, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. And, And so again, we find God giving Joseph guidance through a dream. I will ask you again, in case you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, the the same question I asked then. In what way or ways does God most often speak to you? Does he do so in dreams? Uh, The the Christmas story, the the nativity uh, narrative is filled with many, many dreams. And it was interesting. I, I, I actually had a dream that I'm still mulling over the week after I preached about, about Joseph. I have dreams from time to time that are quote unquote, you know, spiritual dreams. Those that I wake up and it's like, okay, I'm still thinking about that. And like, Lord, what were you, what were you saying in that? And this was my dream. Okay. Maybe you can help me with this. Cause I, I'm still thinking about, it, I'm still praying about it. I am at a funeral of someone I do not know. I am in a church that I do not recognize. It's one of those standard you know, Southern traditional churches, beautiful, lovely church, you know, hard wooden pews. And uh, we're there, and uh, there's this man sitting two or three rows in front of me who, in the middle of a service, just keeps talking out loud. And for some reason, his wife and daughter are sitting behind him, and they keep telling him, Dad, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And he does, and he keeps talking out loud during the, the, the eulogy. And and, and they're like, if you don't stop talking, we're going to leave. And he didn't stop talking. And the mother and uh, the uh, daughter got up and left. And then I woke up. It's like, okay, did I watch a movie or a TV show that might allude to that? What did I have for dinner? Was it something weird? No, I... I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't. I, I'm, I'm still mulling it over, praying it over, because sometimes I will wake up with just an immediate like, okay, this is what this means. And other times it's something that, that I mull over for a while. And, and that's one that I'm still mulling over. Um, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I have friends who have. They said so they have. I haven't. I most often hear from God through deep impressions. Uh, sometimes I'll get a picture um, sometimes a physical experience that causes me to, to sense what God's doing and what he's saying. But ultimately, every way that I sense God speaking or communicating with me, and I would also say this for you as well, 
uh, as, as those that I have the pleasure of, of pastoring and leading, anything we sense God saying in any way, whether it's a dream, whether it's an impression, or whether we feel like we're hearing the audible voice of God, it needs to be judged and measured and weighed against God's written word, the Bible, uh, the gold standard, the plumb line uh, for us being able to discern and to know and recognize what God is saying. As I said a couple of weeks ago, I'll say again, the question is not, does God still speak today? The question continues to be, are we listening? Are we listening? And this is something I'm sure of, that God continually speaks to those who are expectant, to those who are receptive, and ultimately to those who are obedient to his word. With Joseph just in these two chapters, and we don't know a lot about uh, Joseph's uh, background, his history. Matthew tells us in chapter one that he was a righteous man, that he was very, very quick to follow after the law, a person who wanted to do the right thing in the kindest way possible. We saw that in his his, uh, interactions with Mary. Uh, We don't know a lot about him. We don't know what his history was of hearing God's word. Apparently, he knew the law because he knew enough to know what he felt like he needed to do in the precarious place that he found himself in. But we see just in these two chapters a solid track record of, of Joseph hearing from God through an angel, pondering it, thinking about it, and then being obedient to respond in the affirmative to what God was calling and leading him to do. I guess my question would be, what if Joseph, who had a choice, he had a choice in how to respond to God, what if he had refused to listen to God? Or what if he had refused uh, to hear God? He heard God, but then he refused to do what God was calling him to do. We might have a very different story. Because God gives us this thing of choice. He he gives us this thing of choice. So I want to encourage you, let us all be expectant to hear God's voice. Because our God is Emmanuel. He is with us. He is not aloof. He is not distant. And he is not silent. He loves to commune with us. He loves to, to, to have dialogue with us. And he calls us to do that in prayer and in worship and in meditating on his word. And so I want to encourage you to cultivate openness and responsiveness to God's uh, guidance and his leadership in our lives. And the best way for us to do this is through this thing of just ongoing spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines of prayer, of worship, of, of spending time reading God's word. Again, the plumb line, the gold standard against which we judge everything that we think we're hearing from God. Uh, and things like fasting. Um, there is a wonderful book that I pull out and read every few years. It's called A Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And it is a wonderful exploration of, of spiritual disciplines. And I got to tell you, I'm right there with you. Spiritual disciplines, can't get too excited about that some days. But I think a lot of it's our orientation about how we, how we look at it and how we approach it. And I love one of the, the analogies uh, that uh, Richard Foster paints in, in, in his book. He, he says these daily spiritual practices are like we are like digging a, a trench. 
And, and we're digging a trench in preparation for God outpouring uh, his love and his grace. And, and by us digging that trench, we are, we're digging the trench into our lives that just where the, the outpouring of God's love and grace is able to pour into our lives through the ongoing prayer, the ongoing uh, reading of his word and worship and fasting. And, and there are many, many other disciplines that, that Richard Foster talks about. I remember several years ago, this was back in, wow, 2002, I was just sensing God was getting ready to do something different. Mary Margaret and I both were sensing this in our lives, that he was preparing us for a new season. Uh, I was associate pastor here at the church, had been here uh, on staff for about eight years at that point, and I just started praying, God, are you calling us to plant a church? That was a very logical thing, something we thought about prayed about. We began to talk to our then senior pastor, the founder of the church, Thor Kohlberg, about it. And, and I was like, well, Reese, you know, I, I want to be 100% on board with whatever God's doing in your life. Let's just continue to pray and, and seek the Lord about this and what, you know, what he wants to do. And we just couldn't get a, a real clear sense that that's what God was doing, but it just seemed like a logical thing for us to go and plant a church. That's what most other associate pastors did in the vineyard at the time. Uh, so we began to pursue that and look into that, but it just, there wasn't clarity. It, there was just that sense of, eh, I don't think so. So at the beginning of 2003, um, I felt really led by the Lord to do a 40-day Daniel fast. And basically, that's just like a vegan diet for 40 days. And it wasn't so much about just what I wasn't eating, but it was about really give, giving extra emphasis to, to the Lord, to spend time with him, to seek him. And, um, and I did that. And uh, the reason Mary Margaret did not was because she was pregnant. And so that was not something that she could do in, in that time. But I remember I started the day after her birthday, which is January 4th, because you don't fast on your wife's birthday. <laughs> Nugget of wisdom right there, okay? Um, so I started on January 5th. And 40 days landed the day before Valentine's Day. Isn't that like God? And it's just really good. Again, guys, do not call a fast on Valentine's Day either. Not a good idea. So, but God worked it out perfectly for, us, for me to be able to do that. And it was so cool. On uh, February 13th, the evening of me ending that fast, I got a call from... Um, uh, Mary Margaret's uncle, who's a pastor at a church in Charlotte, and he's a great guy. We'd see him every few years uh, at family events, but not, you know, he was not somebody that we had interaction with on, the, on an ongoing basis. And he called, he said, Reese, are you guys okay? I'm like, yeah, we're, 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 we're good. Um, he said, I just, as I'm praying, I cannot get you guys off my mind. And the Lord just keeps, you know, drawing uh, you guys back to me. And I just want to check and see if you're okay, because I feel like the Lord gave me a, a, a word for you, and it's just straight from the word of God. It's from 1 Corinthians 16, Paul saying, um, he's, he's ending the letter to the church of Corinth, and he says, a, a large and effective door has been opened to me, and the adversaries are great. It's like, all right, okay. Didn't, you know, it's like, all right, thank you. That was, that's um, confirming of what I felt like God was, you know, a time for change, a season for change, and, but yet not real clear on exactly what that was. And he went on to say, he said, and the way to deal with the adversaries that are great is prayer. A commitment 
a steadfastness to a life of prayer, talking to God, giving these things, these troubles that we find ourselves in. The, the, in this world, you will have trouble. Give them to God. Let, let your trouble, let your anxiety, let your fear, t- let it be turned in to prayer, taking it to God, talking to God about it. And that was, uh, that was a wonderful challenge. And about two weeks later, everything began to become clear. That's when Thor and Bonnie, his wife, told us of their plans to go and plant another vineyard church in North Carolina. And that's when he asked me to become lead pastor at the church. And a lot of things began to unfold during that window of time. And it's like, well, Reese, you know, if you hadn't fasted, uh, you know, maybe God would have, he would have done that anyway. It's like, well, my heart was better prepared. My heart, my spirit was better prepared. It was part of that digging that trench. Uh, that was that 40 days of fasting and the prayer that had gone on before then. But the, the, the importance of that. It's, it's important that we recognize that we need to cultivate that intimacy with God. And spiritual disciplines are, are a key part of that. Moses was a man who cultivated trust in God, which led to greater intimacy with him, uh, so that he learned to hear God's voice, and he responded in obedience as God told him uh, how to guide the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. And you can read all about that in Exodus. Uh, In today's passage in Matthew, there's an interesting parallel between Jesus, Mary, and Joseph's flight to Egypt and that that's found in, in Israel's history. As an infant nation, Israel went to Egypt just as Jesus did as a child. God led Israel out, and and, and Matthew references that in Hosea 11. But then God brought Jesus back to, to Egypt. The thing about both of these events is it shows God working to save, to direct, and to guide his people. He loves doing that. That's what he's about as our heavenly father as God Emmanuel, God with us. Moses was obedient and Israel was delivered from Egyptian slavery and Joseph was obedient to God's leading. And as a result, Jesus and his family were saved from Herod. Matthew chapter two, verse 14. Joseph got up after that dream and he took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I have called my son. And it's, it's really cut and dry, guys. Heeding God's guidance leads to life. It does. And on the flip side of that, ignoring God's guidance leads to death. Uh, in some of these cases, it could have been very much a, a physical death, but it's always a spiritual death when we ignore God's guidance. You know, just in the last couple of weeks, our family has been reminded of God's protecting power in some very powerful uh, and, and, and very clear ways. Um, he is always protecting us, but there are just those times that we realize it and we're more keenly aware of it. And one of those happened just in the last couple of weeks. Um, our oldest daughter, Lily, she's a nurse and she's in Louisiana working, um, working in a hospital, but she's also working on her doctorate there. And she had been sensing, she'd been, she moved there and she realized, you know what, where I'm living is probably not the safest place in the world. So she began talking several months ago about moving and, um, and she moved and I went out with a friend a couple of weeks ago to help her uh, move and she moved to a different neighborhood and we got her all squared away. 
And I don't know if you remember, but last week, Louisiana had quite a few storms and some tornadoes. And uh, I think we're having some issues right now with our, our graphics, but there is a picture that Lily sent us from the neighborhood that she moved from that is just devastated because of the storm. Uh, that she had just moved from the week earlier. And also, she said, in addition to that, just a few houses down from where she lived, uh, two people got murdered around that same time. And so it's like, wow. It's like she's texting us pictures and this feedback, and it's like, Lily, you, you know that God loves you, right? And he's protecting you. And, and that's just the mercy of God. Sometimes we experience it in very much in our face kinds of things. And then there are other times that we just sort of let it, you know, let it just be on the backside. And we don't think that we're not cognizant of it. We're not mindful of it. Lily has her relationship with the Lord. She talks to him. She prays to him. And her mother and I and her grandparents uh, pray for Lily. And a lot of friends do as well. And we know that God was responding to uh, provide wonderful protection to her because in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. And for us, that means protecting love. Matthew 2, 16, let me go ahead and move on a little more. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. And in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi, and then this is what was said through the prophet Jeremiah that was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because there are no more. Jesus was saved uh, from Herod's edict, but many other little boys were not. That's just the reality of the the, the conflict, the kingdom of this world against uh, the kingdom of God. And Matthew references once again an Old Testament prophet, this time Jeremiah, pointing to the distress of the Hebrew mothers who saw their sons taken off uh, from Israel into Babylonian captivity. And because they were weeping, uh, they were weeping in this reflection, this pointing to the weeping mothers in Bethlehem who had lost their son, sons because of Herod's awful uh, edict. Jeremiah 31 is all about God's renewal of his covenant with his people. And, and, and though they were in captivity, he brought Israel back from exile at last. And, and weeping may last for a season, but joy will come in the morning. Rescue is on its way And Jesus, his birth, his coming to earth is bringing deliverance and protection even in the midst of everything seeming hopeless and bleak. So we we see this. And here's a, can I ask permission for a rabbit trail for a second? Will you guys let me take an exit with you? I normally just do rabbit trails and don't ask your permission, but I'm trying to, to be kinder about it. As I've been reading this passage this last couple of weeks in preparation for today, I have been just really bothered and brought to this thing in our culture and our world of Holocaust deniers. And it's like, what's going on with that? I think it's just another reminder of the sinister, hate-filled 
kingdom of this world seeking to diminish the work of God in his people. I, 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 I can't explain the rationale in it. There is no rationale. Uh, and it's just like, it's sickening. And I just say, let us be people who are mindful, who are discerning, and who are wise to the tactics and the schemes of the enemy of, of our souls. Uh, and, and, and just the idea that there would be a movement of people who would say that, oh, six million Jews were not annihilated, were not killed. There's, that, that's all a farce. Uh, just let us be mindful. Let us recognize that this thing, whether it was from Pharaoh in Egypt to Herod and Jesus, uh, to, to throughout history, seeing God's chosen people, uh, chosen you know, targets of annihilation, Let, let's, be, let's recognize that we are in a fight. We are in a spiritual war. Thank you for letting me go on that rabbit trail. I have been obedient to what I sense God leading me to do. Never forget this. God's plans for us are always good. They are always loving, and they will never be thwarted by evil, okay? Never, never. Psalm 33, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. God gives us a choice, okay? He gives us a choice to participate in his plans or to reject his plans. But when we choose to participate in the plans of God, there is no force. There is no force of Satan or no force of this world that that can derail God's plans for us. His plans will prevail. Some of us are going through a very, very difficult season. And for some of us, we've put ourselves in that season. For others of us, we are there because of the sins of others or just the ramifications and the fallout of the kingdom of this world. But I, I want to share this verse with you, again, from prophet Isaiah. Love Isaiah. Uh, his word, this, this verse has meant so much to me at various times in my life when I or my family or situations where we were under attack, the promise of God, not just to Israel, but to us, that no weapon forged against you will prevail, God says, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. This is God's word for us, and if you find yourself going through just an attack, and your world is falling apart, and you need God's protection, be reminded of God's truth, of his promise to us, his protecting love, not just for the children of Israel, but for every one of us who are in Christ, who are part of God's family through him. And recognize God wants us to continually grow in our ability to hear and discern where he's leading us. And it is, you see this in Joseph. You see God giving him dreams, but then you see also where in, in this section in Matthew chapter 2 where, you know, he, he gets up and he takes, uh, goes back to Israel. But he hears that Archelaus is reigning and it says he was afraid to go there. There's discernment that's being developed. There is discernment. Archelaus was nasty. He's one of Herod's three sons. 
He was so vicious and so insecure that when he took reign of the section that uh, his father Herod gave to him, uh, that he immediately killed the 3,000 most influential people in that region out of his own insecurity. So this is a nasty person that we're talking about here, a vile and vicious person. And it says that Joseph said he was, he was afraid to go there. But having, and so there was that sense of this is not good. And God will let us develop discernment for people who are growing in their relationship with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is filling us, whether it's that gut reaction. If you are seeking to honor God in your life, don't be afraid to follow your gut, guys. That's one of the ways that God will lead us and guide us. Again, it has to be lined up with Scripture and God has not given us a spirit of fear that causes us to shriek back from the things that he's saying, but he has given us discernment. And I think what we're seeing here with Matthew is more discernment than fear that would cause him to cower and, and just run away from all that God had for him. It was a discernment that he followed. It was part of his ongoing uh, development and hearing God's voice. And then we see God confirming, yeah, Joseph, you're right. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in the town Nazareth, and was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. And so, ultimately, guys, the loving protection of God is found in Jesus Christ, who rescues us, and he grants us new beginnings. And that's what this whole idea of, 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 this, of Jesus being from Nazarene. The, the, the root word that, that develops, uh, that the word Nazareth comes from, is, is the, the idea of Isaiah 11.1, 1, the, the root of Jesse. The root of Jesse that's coming up from the stump that has been cut off, that has been left for dead, but there's a new root, a new shoot of growth that God brings about new life and that is the ultimate eternal protection that God gives us in Jesus, not despite the, the dangerous and tragic events that happened around his birth, but because of them, we can know the protecting love of God. We see God's protecting love over this family, and this is something that God is inviting us into as his sons and daughters and we can be his sons and daughters if you are not in God's family. God welcomes you. He invites you. He has purposed that each one of us be part of his family. And the way that he makes that available to us is through his son, Jesus. Through his son, Jesus, the only way. God's word is very clear that if we confess our sins, if we say, God, I've messed up. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against others and we acknowledge our sin and we confess it to him and ask his forgiveness that God will forgive us of our sins. He'll cleanse us. He'll put us on us the righteousness of Christ and he calls us his sons and his daughters. He invites us into that relationship. He invites us to experience his protecting love. I wanna invite the worship team to come. And this morning as we worship, I, I, I just, I hope that you are mindful. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will make all of us more and more mindful of the presence of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, and the protection of his kingdom. And the things that you may have brought in this morning in the way of fears or anxieties, God's calling you to lay them down. He's calling you to lay them down. 
and he's calling you to just lay them at his feet and trust him, to turn the fears, the anxiety into intercession, into prayer, and just to lay them at his feet. Let's stand together.